Coming up this week, off screen. We meet the Last Jedi. Bingo becomes the King of the Mornings. Willem Dafoe, not Willem Defriend, takes us up a mountain. Mountains may depart. Nicolaj Costawaldo is a shot caller. John Cena's total bull as Ferdinand. Don't Look Now goes British with the unseen. And prepare for the insanity of the Afghan film industry, courtesy of the Prince of Nothingwood. All this come and more off screen. This is. This is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen. I'm Van Connor. I am Case Allen. Welcome back, Mr. Allen. Hi. And uh, we've, Hi there. we've got some fun for you this week, and fun for me, and fun for all of our listeners this blast week. Blast for me, blast for you, blast for everyone in the room. We've got uh, Hey, Officer Krupke, Krup you. <laughs> hey, Officer Grubke. I love a bit of Kirby Enthusiasm. By the way, did you see the finale of Kirby Enthusiasm? I did. I liked it very much. I did as well. Yeah, it, thought, it wrapped uh, up that season really, really well. And then the week after, you got to go and see Hamilton, which yes. kind of segs nicely into that. How was yeah. Hamilton? Um, um, one of the best things I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. Okay, excellent. I'm, mm. I'm very happy to hear that. I look forward to... Yeah, you, you look forward to seeing the film of it in ten years' time. Yeah, about the same time I get to catch Book of Mormon, I'd imagine, because I'm still trying to catch I've the Book of Mormon. I've not seen that either. No. Yeah. And then I want to see it. Alan Frank goes multiple times a year to see the Book of Mormon. It's one of his favourite things ever. That's ace. Yeah. Um, so we've got a bit of a, an unusual week this week. Uh, so because there's a certain film out that's bigger than the average film... Ferdinand. Ferdinand, yes. Um, we're going to devote a whole block of this show to talking about... because both you and I have seen Ferdinand, mm. and we will talk about Ferdinand uh, for an entire John Cena is The Last Jedi. He is. Uh, and then we, we're going to be talking to, with the director of Bingo King of the Mornings, Daniel Resende, and we'll review Bingo King of the Mornings, and then we're going to rapid fire at the end of the show through all the other reviews that, are out, that we have to do this week, mm. uh, which does include uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi, and uh, not Ferdinand. Um... But first, of course, we're going to have some news because something big has happened today. We record this on Wednesdays normally. It's Thursday today so that we can both see Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And uh, something big has happened in the news today. We need to talk about that before we do the box office top five. So, Mr. Allen, what has shaken the film world today? Disney have bought Tesco's. Do you know the supermarket, Tesco? I wouldn't be shocked about that. Neither would I. The, the toy section does mostly stock Disney-based toys. So. It does. Yeah, I was there the other week, and you couldn't move for just <laughs> Disney stuff. Um, well, while we wait, actually, for the Tesco deal to go through, um, yeah. Disney have bought Fox, they which have. we all knew was going to happen. This is the weird thing, because the headline is Disney buys Fox. Yeah. And you say, okay, so a full-blown corporate takeover. It's not that it's at not, all. It's something... It's, it's parts of Fox. Yeah. And the Fox that we know are going to be a different company that's going to focus mm. just on news and the radio stations as well, that kind it's of thing. news, sports, and because yeah. they're never getting rid of Fox News, are they now? No, never, not no. now. Not, not when they've got the biggest fan. Yeah, like, they've yeah. got the world's biggest fan in yeah. their corner, in the world's highest office as well, so why not? So, yeah. But, I don't think Disney particularly want that as well. N- no, they wouldn't. So uh, I didn't realise that 20th Century Fox, as we know it, is actually a sub-company owned by 21st Century Fox, who yes. in turn own Fox News and Fox Sports. So Disney have actually bought... Is it um, uh, Comcast as well? I th- I'm that... not sure about that bit. I know. I was surprised stuff. to find out as well there was $14 billion worth of debt on the Fox side yeah. that has been cleared away by this deal. So Disney have So it's pretty with... good for them, really. Yeah. Well, good for everyone. There are some downsides. Let's talk about the 
good things first. Good things. Sh- should we talk about the good obvious things? Let's absolutely do that. So uh, the good news is uh, John McClane is now a Disney character. Yeah. So if this, if and when Disney Infinity relaunches, we can we look John forward yeah. to, a, yeah, to, to a traditional pencil oh, animation, John McClane. We need that. And we need that we in need our that. lives immediately. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there'll also be um, a, uh, an Akatomi Plaza ride. Yes, they will. Can't yeah. they? <laughs> can't oh, man, we need that. So, so what do Disney now own? They've got an Avatar. They've got an Ice Age. They've got aliens, Die Hard Aliens. Planet of the Apes. Uh, oh, of course they have. Yeah, and then Apes. if you think about TV, yeah. they've got The Simpsons. They've got The Simpsons. They've got Family Guy. They've got American Dad. They've got X-Files. They've got Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. I mean... They've got New Girl. <laughs> they've, yeah, they've got the last six episodes of New Girl, so... Yeah, we can look forward. Isn't that after Christmas, by the way? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've seen a few pictures from it. Oh, okay. Yeah, but um, there's also there's a lot of naysayers. So the WGA, who is the Writers Guild of America, mm-hmm. they have an awards every year. And, yeah, yeah. Um, they have just slammed Disney uh, like the last couple of hours, Ugh. saying, "How yeah, dare you, how you capitalists?" Ha- essentially, that yeah. <laughs> saying you're just trying to like buy out and eliminate the competition. You're trying to like absorb everyone, like the Borg. I don't think they're trying yeah. to eliminate Not so absorb, much as I'd run. Assimilate, that's my word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think the main thing is there are currently six major studios. There are. And that goes down to five. And because now people are going to be used to having like the same amount of big films mm-hmm. and not not just that having having like the Fox um uh, um like indies all of the Fox Searchlight pictures are Disney going to be producing those anymore? On, on that note, does that incidentally mean that Lupita Nyong'o's character from 12 Years a Slave retroactively becomes a Disney princess? Just gotta ask that one. Bold question. Bold question, indeed. Yeah, she won an Oscar, though. She did. So that's, that's, like... that's why I'm asking, because she won an Oscar, so surely that qualifies her now to be a Disney princess. Maybe. So, yeah. Yeah. Also, John McClane, Disney prince. <laughs> Ellen Ripley, Ellen Ripley, Disney, Disney princess. princess. Come on, uh, Caesar the Ape, Disney Prince. And now, yeah. Disney Infinity <laughs> needs to come back now. Yeah, it really does. Um, are you are you happy about it? I am happy about it, and I'm unhappy in, in different measure. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm unhappy because I feel like the number of films we're going to get is going to decrease. I have absolute faith in in Disney being able to run it just fine. For me, there's logistical things. There's things like the X Men, for example, which is you know Disney have them, so the Marvel universe can have the X Men. The only problem yeah. is. We've got a lot of X Men movies in the can already. We we have we know that franchise, and all right, yes, S- some have been really great. Yeah, some are not. Obviously, there is going to have to be a recasting for Wolverine, for instance, very soon. Yeah, and and Hugh Jackman even was like, yeah. it's, it's time for someone else." And you do ask to find yourself asking, "Yes, but what about all the stuff they've got in the pipeline? We've got Deadpool two to come, which is already outside of continuity anyway, yeah. sort of. And then we've got New Mutants. We've got all this stuff to come. It's the things that are in development, like X Force. Yes, what happens to that stuff? Does it get delayed? Does it get retro? Is it a multiverse thing? I don't know. And the Fantastic Four, apparently, the production rights are owned by Constantin Film. So, really? yes. So Disney can't just make a Fantastic Four movie. They have to deal with another company to make the Fantastic Four movie. Although, in this case, it's only the production rights. So it's a film. Isn't that Paul W. S. Anderson that is involved? In that? I think so. That is hilarious. I know. Imagine that. <laughs> but hey, couldn't be any worse than Josh Trank, could it? But uh, so I, I would totally see a Paul W. S. Anderson. I mean, I'd see a Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> Fantastic Four. 
Reed, Reed Richards <laughs> is full of like pathos. Speaking and, uh, of PTA, by the way, I know a lot of people have seen Phantom Fre- uh, Phantom Thread this last week. And what have they said? And very positive. What have they said they've about Phantom all, Thread? They've all come back saying very positive. I need more. Saying uh, about Dan Lewis, he he knows how to act. Yeah, that, that does. Yeah. Lewis, he knows how to be other people. He, yeah, he indeed he can pretend very well. Yeah, he can. I heard um, to like research <laughs> for this role. He uh, he spent a week as a carpet. I can absolutely believe that. Yeah, I really can. That was that was how method he became. He just he just became cotton. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, since we're on mic, I'm going to do this mm. now. Um, obviously, I have a Christmas present to give you when it is Christmas. Okay. But uh, I wanted to just take a moment and give you something nice. I love nice. Things. You love nice things. So yeah. just give me one second. I'm just going to dip down to the desk here. And uh, oh, last yes. last week, um, I went to an event, ah, and you know what this is. I do, I and, do now, yeah. Right, I went to a press conference for uh, Molly's Game mm. uh, with Idris Elba and Jessica Chastain and uh, Aaron Sorkin, and I have brought you what, back Sorkin. Mr. Sorkin's wow, name, pla- name plaque. There you Thank go. Thank you very much. See, I have the Joss Whedon one in my office, <laughs> Major Vulture, and you now have Aaron Sorkin from his directorial debut, no less. That's amazing. I did, That's very cool. I did try to get him to sign it, but they hurried him out of the room really quickly. That's a shame. I know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so you now have an official Aaron Sorkin. It's literally a piece of card with some printing on it. But. Yeah, but it's, it's also, it's been like 20 centimetres from his arm. Yeah. That's cool. I know. Yeah. That's been so close to greatness. Yeah. And now it's close to two schlubs. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, should we plug the uh, podcast uh, and, and the competitions really quickly? Because we've got loads going on at the moment. So, podcast edition, as always. Um, in fact, this week, extra treat for you. If you download the podcast edition, you'll get our long-delayed, much-anticipated Case Allen review of The Disaster Artist. I don't yeah. care that it's been out for three weeks. I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a spoiler right now. It's really good. It's really good? Okay. <laughs> uh, we're going to do that. We're going to do more news. Moment of Cage. So don't forget, you can go on Acast, uh, iTunes, Deezer, TuneIn. Pick your podcast platform of preference and download from there. Um, competition side, if you go on onscreenfilm.com, go in our competition section, we've got some serious swag to give away. Casey, you're not going to believe what we've got. Okay. Well, I can because you've like, got it written it's, down it's on a piece down. of paper yeah. in front of you. Yeah, I, I, I can tell you. I didn't I think. I didn't I think. Won't. I'm sorry. I don't think these things through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in counseling, man. You, I'm you working won't give on me myself. one surprise. I am working on me, man. Yeah. Um, is, is, is next year going to be your year? <laughs> it's going to be the year of the van. That's what it is. It's the Chinese, Chinese year of the van. Um, it's literally a picture of VW bus on a calendar. That's what it is, the year of the van. Um, Men with van. So, uh, Hitman's Bodyguard, we're giving away DVDs and posters signed by the one and only Samuel L. Jackson and Salma Hayek. That's very cool. That's very cool. That's very cool. And we've got multiples of that as well, which is even cooler. Ooh. We've got Blu-rays of Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets to do. You'll be able to see all the blue. All the blue. All the blue. In that and film. that brilliant opening sequence again. Uh, we've got England is Mine on DVD to give away. The Morrissey film. The Morrissey movie. Everyone goes out by Morrissey face except for Morrissey. Thank you. I said exactly I the same that. thing. Um, we've also got uh, DVDs of Rough Night to give away. And oh, still not seen that. And one that you yeah. and I have seen together at a screening during our day of screenings together. Oh, no way. 7852 we're giving yeah. that away as well so, so that is a documentary about uh, Psycho yeah, it is the shower scene yeah. specifically yeah. oh yeah yeah just about which is great it's fantastic yeah. go on onscreenfilm.com enter that competition like for now we better belt out this top 5 really quickly number 5 Murder on the Orient Express I seen you it you saw it I seen it you finally it, you haven't seen it I seen it well, you seen it well you seen yeah. it yeah. what do you think what, what do you uh, great moustaches great costume design um, I I didn't really know who the killer was until right at the Did you know? Have you not seen good. have you not seen an adaptation of it before? I, I feel like I have, but like it was so long ago that I'd forgotten and then when it happened I was like, Oh great, but it was <laughs> twisty and turny and I really liked it. And it had epic mustache game. 
epic moustache game. Which it's hard to, to, to compete with epic moustache in a movie, especially <laughs> yeah. one like that. Is serious. That's mm. a serious handlebar he's got going on in that. It's, and his like hammy acting, oh, as I well. know. hammy hammy accent. I love it. I look forward to getting the chance to sit and watch it. It's uh, just yeah, it's good fun. You watch it with your mum on a Sunday when it comes. I, I, will, I will definitely do that. She would love it. So um, have you got a tweet for me? Yes, um, at m seventy seven oz says. I uh, went to see Murder on the Orient Express last night. It was pretty enjoyable. I was more interested in the costume sets and colourful characters, man from my own heart, than the intrigue forward slash mystery, but it was still fun to watch. Hashtag movies, hashtag cinema. Number four. The Anti-Avengers. Got I used to have an Anti-Avenger. Did you? Yeah. Ah, nice. Was she, was she a kindly lady? Uh, yeah, she's all right. <laughs> We've... We can't say anything else about it. Auntie Maureen and the power of elasticated skin. <laughs> um, so I, I got drunk the other night and watched a lot of Justice League cartoons in a sort of uh, melancholic, I can't believe that movie exists. <laughs> if I'm so drunk, it will look live action. Exactly. And uh, well, that's where that theme comes from, from that actual cartoon. Mm. And I still love that series. If you can see it, please do. It's a great, great piece of animation. I was talking to a cinema staff member yesterday when I went to mm-hmm. see uh, uh, Thor Ragnarok. For this is the light. This is at the light cinema yeah. of a more in Sheffield Town. Yeah. And uh, the guy behind the bar was saying, oh, we've seen uh, Justice League uh, five times. Good God. And I was like, what happened to you? Wait, who hurt you, man? Who yeah. Hurt you? Have we got a tweet on this? We do. Um, so at It's Davery, uh, it says, I love how people criticise Justice League like it's supposed to upset DC fans. Ha! And... <laughs> no one is more disappointed with that movie than us. That's very Fair true. Enough, yeah. Can I just point out, actually, that's an interesting point because I am a D. I'm, I'm a DC, not comics fan. Because I find the comics a bit convoluted at the side of the Marvel ones, they're a bit mm. more streamlined. Um, but I, I love the DC universe, and I really want to see it do well. And it's, I, I think that's, that's the thing. It's, yeah, I, yeah, I come at these films purely from wanting to see them do yeah. the the great work they so easily could. So does everyone really? Because like we're, we're spending money on these things. Yeah, no one wants to hate these things. Yeah. Number three, wonder. I seen this as well. You've seen this as well? Yeah. No one wants to hate Wonder. Actually, I kind of did because it was mawkish and cloy and nauseous. I had a and great I time, it. didn't I? I loved it. I had a great time. Yeah, like I said, I texted you straight afterwards. Anyway, I felt all the feelings. There yeah. are no feelings left to be had. Great cast. Really amazing performances. Interesting way of telling it as well. I'm, I don't know if yes. the book is like that. If the book is, I would like to read it. I don't know. I don't know if, that, if that's the structure the book has, yeah. but it's, it's, it's an intriguing mechanism. I really liked it. Uh, David Diggs is in it and he's great. Yes. Good yeah. figure, you and David Diggs. Yeah. Do you know what? Hamilton boy. That's it. On, on that day, I watched three separate projects that had like original uh, Hamilton cast members. I watched an episode of Curb that's got Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. I watched uh, Middle Mirror Express with uh, Leslie Odom Jr. And this. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Hamil- Not- Hamil Day. Hamilton. So, has anyone uh, tweeted in on in support or in support or decryment uh, of Wonder? Definitely support. Okay. Uh, at Lauren Laringe. Lauren C. Joy. Okay, that's, that's, Joy, that's fine. Um, Wonder movie is seriously the best thing I've seen this year. Two clapping emojis and a crying face. That, actually, that is a really accurate way of describing the experience of yeah. watching Wonder. Number two. Daddy is home. The second part two. Uh, I laughed. I mean, I got to give it that. It's a comedy. I did laugh. Did its job, yeah. arguably. I'll see when it's out. There's on DVD. 
Now, say, I think it is going to become a Christmas DVD, but not one you watch every year. Maybe one you watch on telly every couple of years. Um, the Mel Gibson thing is really seriously questionable in it. Uh, John Lithgow's, you know, fun playing just John Lithgow. John Lithgow. And, uh, they've watered down the Dusty character, to, you know, unfairly. Uh, but you know what? Will Ferrell's still a lot of fun, and they get to repeat that gag from the first movie where he, you know, the, with the motorbike. Oh, of course they, it is. They kind of do that again, yeah. and it's still actually just as funny. So is anyone tweeting? Uh, at Jojo Brown 1990 just been to watch Hashtag uh, Daddy's Home 2 such a good movie laughed throughout the whole film and then that emoji where it's like two hands up and they're like I think that's praise praise be praise, yeah. pr- praise be to the Daddy's Home yeah that's someone who hasn't seen Snowpiercer number one Paddington 2. Which I loved, you loved. One of the best films of shit. It is, isn't it? Uh, I loved it, you loved it, we all loved it. I, 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 I wouldn't want to meet anyone who didn't want to love it because obviously they're dead inside. Yeah, they don't have a heart. Yeah, I mean, I, I, got, I got two eyes, two ears, and a heart, haven't I? I gotta love Paddington <laughs> too. So, yeah. Is it, it's not Jack Domagy. I think something like that. I forget what he says it to. <laughs> I forget. <laughs> but it's a great sequel, a really great movie, and I think it's actually a really perfect movie to see at Christmas with the whole family. Hmm. So, I mean, it, and it's the only film I'd really say that about this year because I don't think Star Wars has full across the. Fa- you couldn't take the grandparents necessarily to see Last Jedi. I think Paddington is still the perfect mm. all-rounder. There is one coming mm. next week that might work as a good all-rounder. But, Do you know uh, what? I think there's a there's a there's a there's two there's at least there's two. two you think? Oh, yeah. tell a lie. There are two. There's definitely two next week, but we will get to that. Uh, yeah, I think one of them is definitely multi-generational. Uh, so yeah, Paddington Two. I love you. Was anyone tweeted? Um, at uh, underscore Marcus Taylor, another underscore. Was not expecting such feels in hashtag Paddington Two slash. Quintessentially British and sublime, yet subtly, yet suitably subtle uh, the effects. Hashtag happy handing. Don't know what that means. Happy handing. Happy hand. I don't know. What? Uh, be just have better hashtags. Just man. yeah. Use, use your it. words. Be man. responsible with your hashtags. Already. Come on, we can't do the job for you. You're supposed to be doing the job for us. Because we're lazy. With the latest film news and reviews. This is off screen. The on-screen radio show. We're back, Mr. Allen, so let's get into Galactic. So, Ferdinand. Ferdinand. Let's do it. A bull story. I'm not sure he's in the story of Ferdinand. The, 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 yeah. the last bull. The last bull. Yeah. Ferdinand, full of bull. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, so Star Wars The Last Jedi, which is the second uh, second continuity-wise of the revamped series it began with, <laughs> It's Force the second Awakens. of third trilogy second of the third trilogy yeah. by the fifth director on this new series <laughs> uh, the one that they've had the least problem well no him, him and him and him and abrams yeah him and jj but yeah, okay. no issues with. so uh let's be like you said before we started let's be as broad as possible so um i think we can mention there is a sort of undefined time jump between the two films certain storylines seem to pick up immediately after and then other storylines it seems to be at least a few days after and those few days have not been kind it's been. It is a time of uh, great despair. The title crawl for this thing reads like a Russian tragedy. Mm. It is absolutely everybody. Everyone loves is dead, <laughs> and, and we are now in Battlestar Galactica territory. And that literally is where this, this the the rebellion plotline sort of goes. It's the beginning of the Battlestar Galactica reboot series when they're on the run from the Cylons and they can only jump out of hyperspace for a short amount of time and be tracked. So in the meanwhile, you've got uh, Poe Dameron. 
who's our master pilot, who, you know, kind, damn of, son. kind of opens up the action for us, doesn't he, in this one? Yeah, kind of like he did in uh, yeah. Force Awakens as well, because yeah. he's obviously at the start of that. Get some pithy dialogue again, you know, like he did. And, uh, yeah, so Poe Dameron, Oscar Isaac, is back. His mission is protect the fleet, help the fleet survive. You've got uh, Finn and the new character called Rose, who they're off on their own mission to track a MacGuffin that can uh, help the fleet survive. And then in the meanwhile, you've got Ray Daisy Ridley, who's off learning to be a Jedi with Luke Skywalker, which is pretty much where the last film ended. And she kind of stays there for at least... Two-thirds of the movie? Half the movie? I would say. Hmm. We don't have a clip, because there are no clips. There are no clips for Star Wars The Last Jedi. So We are without clips. We, we, we are, are We are clipless. We are without feck. <laughs> we are. He's feckless. You are feckless. You are without feck. We need to just get that as a sound yeah, button. We do. We do. Um, okay, so, uh, Mr. Allen, do you want to start with this one? Um... Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> let me let me formulate things. Formulate um, things. Right. There are droids, there are, are, there are yeah. stars, there are wars. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. There, there, there are zero treks. There are no yeah. treks in the... There are stars, but there are no treks. Yeah. Um, it's essentially a, a big chase movie. I would say that. It's, well, it's, it's, it's at least part chase movie. There's an interesting borrowing of ideas from other movies, not just Star Wars movies. So you've mm. got, for instance, the they can track us through jumping system, which you think, okay, so that's the Battlestar Galactica idea. Yeah. Okay, I like that idea. In fact, I think it's the very first actual episode of the pilot, Battlestar Galactica. They've got that idea. Okay, brilliant. You've got the Protect the Rebellion idea, which seems to play towards the end of the film, particularly a lot like uh, the Matrix sequels did with Zion. Yes. There's a lot of that in there. There's a lot of mirroring of The Empire Strikes Back, the relationship between Luke Which and Yoda is sort of reversed in a sense with, uh, not reversed, played on with Rey and, and Luke and Skywalker. Luke. He's now the crotchety old man. Yeah. Only he's, he does good uh, crotchety. He does, doesn't yeah. he? He's got this brilliant mixture of, good of, of sort of weirdness and bitchy sassiness. He's definitely weird, which I like. He is odd. Yeah, and what, what I, I I do like without any spoilers, I I do like that what looked like an uninhabited island in the in the last movie seems to just keep acquiring uh, weird creatures. Yeah, yeah, it acquires new residents at the rate of the island from Lost. That that that's the thing I'd say there. Yeah, it's, um, it's the island of uh, misfit uh, Jedi. Exactly. So you've got things like there's a bit of Ocean's Eleven in there involving Benicio del Toro. There's a bit of Top Gun in there. Yeah, it's Dammit. it's a heist movie, and then it's also like I said, it's a chase movie. Exactly. And then it's it's a, a metal, war movie. Yeah, it's a war. A movie. real war. Yeah. This is a war movie in a way that Rogue One wasn't. I think Rogue One's more of a yeah. It's more like just by by the numbers war movie. Mm. This is very much about the consequences of war and the toll it takes. And yeah. there is a moral lesson that gets dumped on John Boyega at one point in this film that you just sit there and think, mm. "Whoa, America!" <laughs> you know? There's a lot of there's a lot of characters, but I thought we were in real peril and real danger. Yes, and if I was watching another film, I would be like, "Oh well, yeah, nothing's going to happen to them." And I'm not saying if things happen to people or or not, but. I was I was sure that that was going to happen. Yeah, I I you, you, this is the thing. They aren't afraid of peril though, and I find mm. that quite intriguing. They are actually willing to offer character if they need to, and I think that's. I mean, because they, yeah. they kind of confirmed that in the last movie that well, actually in the in the Force Awakens they confirmed yeah. that, and then in Rogue One they kind of just went a little nuts with it. Um, in this movie, we're kind of at that that sort of stage whereby we can now say. We don't have to kill people. We're not obligated to. This ain't Game of Thrones. But at the same time, we're not going to shy away from it. We'll yeah. take the Star Trek Discovery route with this one, which is, I'll just offer when the story calls for it. Yeah. But, um, uh, they've got a weird relationship with, like, with the Force and Destiny and 
like whether people should like whether it's like those are things to be celebrated yeah very much I which did i like, really like yeah, i know yeah like think, you you want to be a hero why do you want to be a hero exactly what's, what's the point of that yeah, uh, there was a, there's a, a very big, uh, a very uh, a large amount of time paid to an undercurrent throughout the film, which is to do with, and it's almost a meta narrative. This idea of you've got a new generation of heroes, and the whole thing is they're going to have to learn to let go of the past and do their own thing. Mm. You sort of think that kind of sounds like a fitting analogy for this entire franchise, <laughs> doesn't it? Mm. Considering that this is actually the most daring one ever, really, of the Star Wars movies. Yeah. Like, even Rogue One doesn't take the sort of left turns that this one does. This it's goes... It's so surprising. It really is. Yeah. It's It really shocked me. It yeah. had it's, real... It's, it's still a Star Wars film. It feels like a Star Wars film. Oh, absolutely. It's got real gravitas and consequence, and I really like that. I yeah. thought that. I thought it was a really big, bold, bombastic movie. And yeah. So you went to the midnight and saw it, didn't you? Yeah, I've had three hours sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Full house? Yeah. Like... Yeah. Uh, the cinema I saw in was a nine-screen cinema, oh, and they had uh, they had it showing in eight screens. Can I give you uh, my that the hell side of my experience when I saw it? What's that? I went to the big multimedia screening in Leicester Square on Monday night, and I'm in the IMAX screen, and I had really really great seat. I'm at the aisle, you know, in case I need to pee, I can be out and back in in like ninety seconds flat. I've got this down to a science because during Force Awakens, I did pee when they announced that uh, Kylo Ren was was Han Solo's son. Mm. I had to be told that afterwards. Um, well, straight after I came back in. Um, this time around, title crawl. Two of the biggest security guards you've ever seen just decided to come and stand on the stairs next to me, and they blocked the screen. Scumbags. I know. Yeah. I mean, at least have the title crawl like printed on their yeah. like, suits or something. Like yeah. have it on the back of your blazer or something. Yeah. Chaps. Come on. Get a, get a projector. Yeah, put it on you. Put it on your shirt. It's not like there's not a projector in the room. It's an IMAX screen. Sound like really close to it. So um, I really loved it. I think the style of it really works. You pointed out a certain visual effect when we were talking before the show that I think is I agreed with you was genuinely breathtaking. And uh, mm. I think I was just there's, there's a couple of bits, but yeah, that one in yeah, particular. That one in particular. There are some that are a little bit cartoonish. Um, there was something a little bit cartoonish. There's one that I that really irks me that we've talked about. There's a moment mm-hmm. that kind of irked me for the whole franchise, like a prequel level idea that didn't. Oh, I don't, I don't mind it. I, we, I know we've discussed it. And I, don't, I don't think I don't think it's going to get to a lot of people. A lot of people. I don't know. We saw someone that doesn't does not care for the Pogs. Yes. Can we talk about the Pogs? I'm fine with them. I love the I Pogs. I am absolutely fine with them. They are the be- like some of the best Star Wars cutie animal sidekicks that we've ever seen. Yeah. And I would be There's happy to see There's nothing wrong with more. these films having something so cutesy. No, not at all. Especially not when they're as adorable and, and uh, merchandisable as uh, as the Porgs. Yeah. Have you bought a Porg toy yet? Not yet. I, I have not. I need all the Porgs in my life. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone. I need all of them. Yeah, I think... I mean, at, um, so, like, at, at maximum, there's probably like like 10 or 11 Porgs. <laughs> you think there are? Yeah, I was, I was counting. There's, there's three on the Falcon. <laughs> no, maybe it's more. I don't know. Uh, I can, off the top of my head, I can count five distinct ones. Five distinct porks. I can five distinct porks, and I can't name one of them because it's 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 not a spoiler, but it's a gag, and I don't want to. But yeah. Uh, yeah, you know the one as well. Um, do see this film; it's so good. If you are a Star Wars fan, you're going to be in heaven. I no. I like it more than Rogue One and Force Awakens because I didn't immediately want to see those ones again and I immediately wanted to see this again. That's absolutely fair. I did want to see Force Awakens again, but I was kind of riding the high at the time and you know yeah. I did as, see as, it as much as I kind of like have, have been always defending the you know when people say oh Force Awakens is just like oh. New Hope again. Kind of need to be though. It needed to be. Yeah, yeah. I always defend that, but it, it 
Of course, yeah, of course it's going to feel like right. that. And this is really different. So of the Newcastle members, I really like Laura Dern. Yeah. I think she's she's really good in it. Um, I think uh, Kelly Marie Tran, I think, is absolutely superb as Rose, the new character, who's mm-hmm. got a really fun relationship with with uh, John Boyega's character. They've got sort of uh, a mismatched buddy duo kind of a dynamic. Um, and, well, yeah, I think they're really, they're really the only new characters, aren't they? Those two. Oh, Benicio Del Toro, who's kind of having fun. Yeah. Having his usual... That's a cool character. Yeah. And he'll be back in some sort of... I want know, it to be. Yeah. He'll be back in some sort of spin-off or something. Um, the one thing I will say... I mean, I, I found this a little... You might disagree with me on this one. And it comes down to Donald Gleeson, whom... And it's, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. I think the <laughs> film unfairly undercuts him. It's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. Not you, man. It's not you. <laughs> I think the film unfairly undercuts him by kind of making the character his character sillier than it needs to be. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And yeah. it's a shame because I really wanted more like that scene in, in Force Awakens when he's addressing all the troops. Yeah. And he's just foaming at the mouth. And he's terrifying. I, think, I, want, I want him to be scarier. And in this, yeah. he's just very silly. Not silly hard, but just like... Kind of weak and ineffectual. Weak and... Uh, yeah. He's, he's kind of like... He's like the First Order's uh, free PR. Really. Adam Driver, yeah. though. Adam Driver owns this one. He's got bigger, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. And Driver's gotten buff. When did Adam Driver get buff? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so he's buff. Uh, Daisy Ridley's... Uh, right, he's, he's got buff, but he's got a very weird, weird-shaped body. He's got a Tom Cruise-shaped body. It's, yeah. It's Tom Cruise-shaped body. It's That's very, exactly what it is. He's, 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 those, Tom, he's Tom yeah. Cruise torso, but, Tom like... Tom Cruise torso with the nipples at the waist. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's Tom Cruise torso, but on, like, on a normal person <laughs> normal-sized yeah. person. That's exactly what it is. That's what it is, yeah. <laughs> Tom, Tom Cruise uh, torso, but on normal Tom legs. Tom Cruise on a full-size body, that's what yeah. happens. Uh, Daisy Ridley I really liked in this. Um, I, I, I think she's she's a genuinely interesting lead. John Boyega, I think, is still the most fun. Although, uh, Oscar Isaac... No, but yeah, Poe. Poe's the best. He is the coolest character. Of course he is. Hands down, he is the coolest mofo in this franchise. Yeah, and he, he gets some real stuff to do in this. Yes, he's, I like He's actually that. with that third lead. And I will, I will say this. Actually, Oscar Isaac's character does get the uh, the most significant uh, change to the Star Wars sort of uh, style with this one, in that his character is a character who literally exists to continue making the same exact mistake over and over again mm. and never learning from it. <laughs> and I still don't know by the end of the movie if he has learned from it. But ah. so I will say um, it's it's bolder, it's more daring than any others. I think The Force Awakens was a movie that brought Star Wars stylistically into the 21st century. I think this, given the oh, another film it sort of owes a debt to for me, I think is Skyfall. It, it reminded me at times narratively of Skyfall, and I All think right. in yeah. that sense it has brought the series narratively into the 21st century as well. And perfect. Okay, we're here. We got. But Skyfall's meant to be a callback from like 40 years ago. But this has that weird thing about letting go of the past, etc., that I think no, I, yeah. makes it work in the same way. And Skyfall had that, obviously. Yeah, um, th- there are there are loads of parallels that spoilery articles, I'm sure, will eventually draw upon. But uh, yeah. let's hope this doesn't get followed up with its own spectre. But uh, well, over to you, Abrams. Let's see, JJ. Yes, let's see. Yeah. See what you got, JJ. <laughs> Prove me wrong, JJ. Prove me wrong. I've got Ron Howard to follow now, man. <laughs> see how that works out for <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, come on, Splash. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's the Star Trek reboot versus Splash. This is going to end well. Yeah. Oh, so, Splash in Space, bro. Splash in Space. Splash in Space. Ooh, I'd watch yeah, that. Movie. I'd watch that, yeah. 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 What do you call it? Impact? 
deeper impact. Deeper impact. So that's that's definitely the porn version of deep impact. Oh good god, you know it is. So on the on the Star Wars spectrum, then where do you put this? Like, do, do you? Do you oh think God, this yeah, is, that's always a question. Isn't yeah, it? this is which is where do you put it? If you're going, if you've got all the DVDs on the shelf, you've got all the DVDs, all the Blu-rays, 4K, um, whatever. Which em- one do you put on? Well, I'll 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 rank it really quickly. Um, Go on. Empire at top, this and New Hope neck and neck. Okay, that's that's fair. So you would say this is one of the three best Star Wars movies. Yeah. I'll go with that. Absolutely fair. And, um, and I may put it above New Hope the next time I see it, but we'll see. Can I just get a little shout-out there for Hermione Caulfield, who gets to, to play a rebel pilot in this, and I'm always happy to see her in anything. But And also, uh, Kurt from Teachers, who is evidently a rebel pilot now. Did you notice it as well? Oh, yes, man. you did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you see? Oh, I missed Teachers. He's got, like, Such one shot. Show. There's one shot of him in this film. Like, that's Kurt yeah. from Teachers. Did you notice um, uh, Gareth Edwards as well? Ah, uh, I think I did. Yeah. But I think was, I, I was thought it was Ryan Johnson. That's what it was. <laughs> no, he was he was beautiful. He was Gareth Edwards, yeah. And also, uh, there's a guy that's in Lemiz, and you're going to hate me, but oh. I saw him in Hamilton on Saturday, oh, this guy. And and he's he's part of the First Order. Can I just uh, tell you really quickly before we before we end our Star Wars coverage and and, and go to bingo, um, go to bingo. Um, I was bingo. I was at the press conference yesterday for the Last Jedi, and uh, I went out for a smoke, and I walked past Ryan Johnson and uh, Gwendolyn Christie in the corridor. She's tall, and uh, funnily enough, that's where I'm going with this. Ryan Johnson is about my height. And the pair of us stood next to Gwendolyn Christie, genuinely looked like two hobbits at the side of Gandalf. <laughs> it, that, that's exactly because there's, there's mirrors everywhere, so you can see, and it's like, I look ridiculous. I look like a toddler. So that's what it's like when it's pictured me and you together. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Off Screen, the on screen radio show. We're back. So, Mr. Allen, I've got I've got a bit of a doozy for you now. You I like, love doozies. You're going to like this. Okay, so there is a film out this Friday. It's called Bingo, the King of the Mornings. It is the directorial debut of Daniel, Daniel Rosende. Uh, Daniel Rosende was the editor on, um, is it uh, Jose Padilla? Jose we did film. Robocop. Did Robocop, did Elite Squad, those kind of movies. Yes. Uh, so uh, Daniel Zende is the uh, the editor of those movies. He's now made oh, cool. his, his actual feature debut. And what he's done with it... Have you? Did, I sent you the screen on. Did you watch this? Or, I've no? not seen it. This is... You, you'll love this. Okay, so the film is Bingo King of the Mornings. It is loosely based on a true story. You know Bozo the Clown? I did. Right. In the uh, 70s and 80s, in, sorry, in the 60s and 70s, they uh, they licensed that out of the US to other mm-hmm. countries. So each country had its own Bozo the Clown. And in the case of Brazil, uh, they had a very distinct one. He became the ultimate TV star. He became the all-consuming domineer of the airwaves. However, he was also, you know, this aspiring thespian. Mm-hmm. And uh, he his ego very quickly got away with him, got away from him when it was discovered that he, uh, he couldn't reveal his identity to the world it had to be a very strict secret uh, we don't have a clip because the film is is all in uh, all in portuguese and uh, it's 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 like goodfellas with a clown if you can imagine that that's what goodfellas was missing exactly it was missing a clown now we did speak to the director so here we are talking to daniel rosende daniel thank you very much for joining us so the film bingo the king of the mornings uh, your feature debut and congratulations by the way it's a great film thank you so much uh, so i have to ask um what, what if you're going to make your feature debut having worked on so many films so many high profile very well known mainstream films in the past when it comes to making your own debut what was it made you specifically drawn to this one this tale 
I was looking for a project to be, you know, the first film as a director, and I was looking for a story that could connect to uh, Brazil uh, somehow, uh, but also to be a very character-driven story. I wanted to tell to tell stories about human beings. So when I read an article about Arlindo Barreto's life, uh, I saw there an amazing story. I saw a story about a guy, a guy who lived so many lives in one and about a guy who was trying to find his place in the spotlight to be recognized and validated as an artist. Uh, and when he does, you know, performing a clown in a kid's show, nobody can know who he is because by contract he cannot reveal his identity. Uh, so I saw there an opportunity to tell a very human story, uh, to talk about Brazilian pop culture, uh, to go back in the backstage of TV in Brazil in the 80s. There's so many elements, despite despite the fact that it's also a, a very emotional story, a father-son story. I saw there an amazing project to be uh, my, my directorial debut. And, uh, is the uh, the subject matter of uh, of the anonymous celebrity and the the sort of implosion that that causes? Do you think that's more relevant today in our YouTube Snapchatty kind of an era than it was even then? That was one of the, the reasons why I, I wanted to make this movie because even though we're talking about the eighties, we're talking about a different era where we could be completely politically incorrect, uh, that we could be ourselves and be on TV, uh, and you know. It, it as artists trying to find his recognition as an artist. I think that relates to nowadays uh, so much in a different way. Uh, the reason, the, the, the only thing that is really different is that back then you only have artists, you know, actors and actresses or, you know, hosts of shows that would go to big TV channels and they have the opportunity to have this celebrity life. And nowadays this is spread out to everybody. So, one of the things that I think it's good about the movie that you, even though it's a period movie, the subject of trying to be recognized, it's so modern and so happening today. So people are rooting and fighting for likes, for followers, uh, to be uh, recognized, not only as an artist, but just like living lives that they're not real, just to try to find you know, recognition, so people will relate to that somehow. How difficult was it to, to find the right performer to bring Bingo to life? How difficult was it to cast Vladimir? Well, Vladimir is an amazing, uh, very known actor in Brazil. Uh, at the beginning of the process, uh, the movie was supposed to be performed by Wagner Moura, which is probably the most famous Brazilian actor nowadays. But he couldn't do it at the end because of Narcos. He was like attached to the Pablo Escobar and Narcos, so uh, he couldn't do Bingo. And uh, uh, Wagner was the one who recommended to do the movie with uh, Vladimir. And I knew his work. I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know him personally, but I knew his work. And I sent a script to him. And the first time I met him, I could see in his eyes. Uh, Augusto, I could see he's willing to perform this the best way he could do it, and he's. I saw a megalomaniac, uh, uh, you know, 
eager to perform this the best way he could. And I said, you were Augusto. You got the job. Having watched the film, I, one thing that I was, I was very caught up in and really enjoyed was the manner in which there were, there were little homages and segs into, uh, into, uh, more mainstream and known directors. There's elements in there of Scorsese. There's elements in there of, of Oliver Stone. There's one shot in particular that really reminds you of, of Wall Street, of all things. Uh, was this something that you went into intention? Do you think, okay, I like this scene bit with this director and, and was that your influence in there? Well, first of all, thank you so much. I'm not sure if I'll be able to sleep tonight after <laughs> you comparing, you know, a couple of shots with those, you know, monsters. <laughs> uh, of course, there's so many directors that I use as reference in my life. Uh, but in a way, I don't think I used any film or director as a reference to specific shots in the movie. Uh, I watched a lot of the Brazilian TV in the 80s because I wanted to get... And I watched a lot of Brazilian films in the 80s just to get the feeling uh, that I wanted to, to portray the movie, like just to get this 80s feeling to be on screen. Uh, but definitely, there's a lot of uh, films uh, that I love uh, and they have like similar subjects or the similar ways of portrayed. Uh, but I wasn't like looking to you know any specific. But I'm really happy that you saw those. <laughs> like, I'm really happy. Thank you. Were you happy over the course of the last year then, when the sort of the rise of the clown seems to have come back in popular culture? We had the, we had the people you know from the internet as clowns in reality. Then it came along as well. Did you think, wow, this is all lining up for me right now? That's the thing. Sometimes things happen in life, and you know, and they turn work. Sometimes go into the direction and. It's not on purpose. So I, I wasn't thinking... I started working on this movie five or six years ago. So I have no idea they were like remaking it. Or I wasn't... I have no idea. The same way so many movies and TV shows are being made, made uh, looking at the 80s. And they're all at the same time. I think that the universe is kind of conspiring... Uh, to those things. But they were not, they were not planned. It's all working out in your favor. Hopefully, yeah. If people, you know are willing to see, you know, a clown movie. They're not a horror movie. I'm not going to get scared, okay? Uh, a clown movie that's set in the 80s that is somehow politically incorrect and it's irreverent movie that's it's this rise and fall rock star film. Uh, just come and see it. Was the, the 80s period setting and the political incorrectness, was that something that really drew you to this, to have some fun with it? Definitely. I wanted to talk about an era where we were completely politically incorrect, uh, and at least for people, especially young people nowadays, just to understand and could see how different it was from nowadays that we do have to be 100% politically correct. I, I think that any, anything that extremely in one side or other side, it's bad. But it's good to see how different we were from how we are today with the social media that we have to, like we cannot say some things. I don't actually think that this is better or worse than what we was, but I like the idea of like looking at those two things. That's actually something uh, socially relevant within the film. He actually does sort of involve a social networking kind of an aspect by having the children, for instance, phone him, which at the time wasn't really a done thing, I believe. Exactly, and that was something very popular in Brazil during the 80s. Like, you would call the show <laughs> and you would try to... And actually, a couple of things happen in real life, like the key, the key, the... You know, the calls and curse at him, right? Yes. That, that was actually really famous in Brazil. That actually, and the people know about this, you know, moment 
it was a very iconic moments from the 80s in the TV in Brazil. How has it been uh, collaborating with, with the real-life Arlindo? He, he was really close to the project at the beginning. He was really uh, amazing and he really generous to open his life to us. Uh, and at the same time, we he knew that we would create our own universe because we fictionalized everything. We created our own character, our own universe. We changed names to be able to have the freedom to tell the story the way we wanted. Uh, so we were really faithful to Arlindo, but at the same time, we created Augusto. He was really, you know, as I said, really collaborative. He was really generous at the beginning. And I saw him again on set because he does a little cameo in the movie and then he's, I saw him again when we released the movie thank you very very much for speaking to us the film is so much fun and uh, very much enjoyed it thank you very much thanks a lot thank you Daniel Rosende there then so the film is really really solid really fun really stylish really basks in its period goodness and it does have uh, homages to sort of more iconic filmmakers the stuff in there that belongs to Oliver Stone the stuff in there that belongs to Scorsese it's a really fantastic debut for any director the fact that it's as fun and freewheeling as it is even better absolutely watch this you will not regret a second of it you will have a great time and Vladimir Brichter who, who plays Bingo um, is absolutely terrific in it um, the the stuff he gets away with in this and the way it has fun with the sexist conventions of the time and the excess and the drugs and the alcohol and certain fantasy sequences it is so much fun and genuinely cannot recommend highly enough you check it out it's called Bingo King of the Mornings uh, you should be listening to this after Friday the 15th so it should be out now the latest film news and reviews. This is Off Screen. The On Screen Radio Show. Okay, Mr. Allen, we're back. So we're pushed for time, so should we do some rapid-fire reviews real quick? Though? Yeah, I'm excited about this. Okay, let's do these. We're going to do, these, these are, we're going to do six films in hopefully six minutes. So put six minutes on the clock. Ferdinand, which has it's an animated film starring John Cena as a bull. I'm in. Okay, so basically, it's loosely the plot of Gladiator for kids. If you can imagine that. It's got Kate McKinnon. What animal is uh, uh, Jimon Honsu? Yes. <laughs> It'd be a lemur, wouldn't he? Of course, It'd yeah. totally be a lemur. Uh, no, he's not in it. Kate McKinnon is, though, and Kate McKinnon seems to be taking on the Oliver Reed role. <laughs> They're basically <laughs> the same person. <laughs> but it's basically Gladiator for kids. It's a lot more forgettable than you'd hope, though. It's not up to an awful lot. The animation's actually pretty good for the calibre of the film, but the film is really subpar. Um, the biggest selling point about it is it's John Cena doing an animated film, but yeah. frankly... That's nowhere near as fun as you would hope that that basic remit is. Shotcaller, which comes to us from director Rick Roman War. Good name. Good name, I know. Strong name. This stars your man Jamie Lannister, Nikolai Costa-Waldau. He is, um, he, he was, uh, you know, a, a former high-flying tycoon. He is, he was involved in a car accident, gone to prison, and has then basically found his way into the into the gang life, and this has consumed his identity from that point on. Um, actually, really good. Uh, I saw this twice. I saw this the first time, didn't think much of it, saw it again a second time, thought, actually, there's a lot more to this than I would have thought. Um, good supporting cast there. Johnny Bernthal turns up in there as well. Oh, John Bernthal. Uh, always good to see John Bernthal, fast becoming one of my favourite actors. Um, 
Uh, Lake Bell is in there as well. Love Lake Bell. Love Lake Bell. Um, there's a really, really good cast in there. Uh, but Costa Waldo is absolutely the reason to see it. This guy has leading man charm. He, he really does. He's got a handlebar moustache, has he not? He has. And some really long, slick back, you know. Say anymore, I'm in. There's a lot of plaid shirts fastened solely at the collar, if you know what I mean. Has he got two hands? He does have two hands in this one. Well, so we quite can... a bit of departure for him. Exactly. So we can no longer say, give the man a hand. The Unseen, which is like a British version of Don't Look Now, starring uh, Jasmine Hyde. Uh, again, saw this one twice. Uh, liked it a lot more the second time. Um, really tightly shot, really well put together. Uh, basic story, Br- British uh, sort of horror drama, I would say. And it is the story of... Um, a married couple, well-to-do suburban couple whose child is killed in a swimming pool accident. They're, they're one of those cool couples who have an indoor swimming pool in their home. Um, and uh, the child dies, unfortunately. And uh, this leads to well, a very, very distinct psychological supernatural breakdown. Uh, terrific performance from Jasmine Hyde. Uh, if you're a fan of Don't Look Now and you like older-style, character-based, marital horror films like that, definitely check this out. Our first film involving a mountain, cleverly entitled... Mountain. Mountain, which stars Mr... Well, it doesn't star, it's narrated by Willem Dafoe. And she's, oh, even better. Yeah, it is a documentary about mountains and what they mean to the human race. Uh, on paper, it's the dumbest idea you've ever heard. In practice, it is stunning to look at. It goes on far, far too long, and it has way too many sequences of snowboarders for my liking. But, uh, you know, it does, it does make something of a decent point early on about... About the actual societal need, uh, the evolutionary need for the human race to have mountains around them. I like a mountain. I mean, we, we live in Sheffield, so we like a gradient, don't we? Well, we like a hill. Is we, what like we, a hill? we like a yeah. hill. We like a hill. Mountain film number two. Mountain film number two, yeah. Mountains made apart. So we've had a mountain, now we've got mountains that made apart. Uh, right, so this is a foreign language film. This is a, uh, a familial drama. It takes place across three different time periods. Very much about the relationship between parents and child. Uh, really good performances in there. Um, really well shot. Um, just terrifically written, actually. I did. I found the characters in this quite well drawn, and the relationships uh, they shared were actually quite touching at times. There's a uh, an abusive father figure at one point that actually uh, that comes perilously close to being quite terrifying. Um, but yeah, definitely once worth checking out. The Prince of Nothingwood. Right, brace yourself for this one. Turns out there is no film industry in Afghanistan. Shocker. I know. There's no Afghana wood. Afghana wood. Well, nothing wood, actually, as it's called in this Ah. case. So you've got Salim Shaheen, who has set himself up as the de facto film industry of Afghanistan. He has made 110 movies. In this documentary, he goes to a remote town to screen his 110th film and simultaneously shoot his 111th. All of his films are written by and directed by him and star him. And his friends on what can only be described as leftover eight seventies eighties VHS tech. The films are so low brow. This is absolutely hilarious. It is absurd in that way that you just can't believe it's real. And I'll tell you something for nothing. I would absolutely watch an ongoing reality TV series if this was the concept. So those are 
our rapid fire reviews. That's fun. We've not done that before. We've never I liked done that it. Did you, did you like the impacts? I thought the impacts were quite cool. Yeah, it felt like I was being shot. Yeah, well, there you go. Then. Yeah. That's, that's the design. We want to shoot that's, you with that's reviews. That's what I want, yeah. Shoot you with cinema. Yeah, so my dad said everyone gets shot once. <laughs> so, film of the week. Do we really need to, to pick this one, I think? Ferdinand. Ferdinand, yeah. totally. Um, no, it, it's Star Wars The Last Jedi is a film of the week. Um, if you can see The Prince of Nothingwood, though, absolutely do. do. Um, and I cannot recommend Bingo the King of the Mornings highly enough. That is so much fun. Uh, definitely check that out. So, uh, we've got a list of things for next week. So, Jumanji. Jumanji is next week. Uh, m- well, this is the thing. Some of these films aren't actually out next week. They're out over the Marinium and over the Christmas holidays. Oh, how many times have you said that today? I know. I know you love it. I know Mo- Marinium. I know you love Marinium. Uh, it's Marinium, I think, with an Marinium. Marinium, I think. It's Mary Neum. Merry Neum. Merry Neum. So that's, Merry that's, to you, everyone. We've been calling it the limbo period between Christmas and New Year's. But yeah. yeah, so um, there's Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. That one, I believe, is actually out on the 20th. It is. Uh, Molly's Game with Jessica Chastain and Idris Elba, which you have a souvenir from. Um, I do. That is out on New Year's Day, I believe. We have Native, which is a British sci-fi movie, which I uh, had the distinct pleasure of seeing uh, last week. And loved it. Lo- loved it. Yeah, that's out on, on New Year's Eve. But we'll review that next week. Um, let's see. Um, <laughs> the Barden Bellas are back. We've got Pitch Perfect 3 to look forward to. Are you a fan of the Pitch Perfect series? No. No? Oh, okay. I like the first one, not the second. Um, Actually, yeah, I'll, I'll say that. I think it's that Boxing Day, Pitch Perfect, is that? I don't I'm care. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I don't care. Here's one you might care about The Greatest Showman on Earth. I'm in. You're in? You're in. Okay, Damn so that's huge there's, action. There's very uh, hu- huge, huge action. Huge action. Yeah, yeah. or a huge Jackman. Yeah, there are very, very few instances where I will turn down a film starring a bearded woman. Well, there you go then. Yeah. So, yeah. I've, I've never met a bearded woman that I don't like. Well, that's why I continue to watch Sally Field movies to this day. Anyway, so we've got all those to come and more next week off screen. So we're going to do that next week. That's going to cover us over the holiday period. We will have a show out the week after that, which will be our top ten of the year, which you and I have yet to agree on. But uh, we, we will get there. We will yeah. get there. And we all know that Paddington 2 is film of the year. We all know. We know that it is. We totally know. Like, I'm, I'm not even being sarcastic yeah. there. Paddington 2 at number one, Hitman's Bodyguard at number two, you know, Transformers, Age of, uh, Age of whatever What are you the hell. doing? Why are you putting Paddington 2 in one of those films? What is wrong with you? In the meanwhile, this has been the Caddy Storm Rush for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. And I don't understand Van's humour. We'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Podcast extras? Why not? Why not? While we're here. Let's so, give me some news. Then. What you got for me first? You said there were some Golden Globe uh, nominations, I believe. <laughs> there were some things called the Golden Globes. There were some things called Globes. Yeah, and they are golden. That they be. They're so, a bit silly. So, which films am I instantly going to take a dislike to this year, thanks to their uh, endless awards coverage? Well, um... It, it depends. It depends what you think is a musical or a comedy or <laughs> a dramatic film. But let's, oh, let's, let's see. Because, yeah, the, these aren't really seen as being the Oscar precursors anymore. Like, Not really, no. One, no, no. no that's, that's, that's died a death, I think. Yeah, um, and because these are chosen by the press, it's, it- it's always interesting to see who we choose. Is it the Globes that have nominated Get Out as a musical or comedy? Yes, it is. Okay. So, let's start with that. So, best film, musical or comedy, uh, The Disaster Artist. Okay, we can to. talk to him, yeah. We can talk um, that hilarious social commentary piece, Get Out. Yep. 
Uh, Greatest Showman, because musical. Because musical, yeah. I mean, the film has not even come out yet. It's already nominated, so... Well, there obviously are screener discs well, out there. Well the done, Thrice. Yeah, so, well, this, this is it. There are so many films that have not even come out in America yet. But, like, <laughs> The Post, like, All of Money World, which yeah. I'll, we'll come to. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, um, uh, I, Tonya... Which I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to. I hear all. really good things. I hear great things, and I hear great things about Lady Bird. Yes, Lady Bird. Is it still the best reviewed in the <clears> film in the history? Uh, I don't Dolls? think it is. I think it just lost it recently. Oh, okay. Because um, Last Jedi came out. Presumably. That's it. Uh, best film, uh, drama, uh, Call Me by Your Name, Dunkirk, The Post, um, Shape of Water, and three billboards. Three billboards. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. So, um, all the money isn't there. But where is look it? At, how have they seen all the money in the world? Because this, it's not finished, is, is it? It's, this is the thing. Yeah, I don't think anyone's even seen it. However, no, no one could have seen the finished cut. It's down for best director, and tellingly, <laughs> Christopher Plummer is down for best supporting. Oh wow! What yeah. do you want to bet he'll win? Hmm? What do you want to bet he'll win? I really don't like as much as I love Christopher Plummer. It's just. <sighs> I get that there's a need to prove a point, but really, must it be this point? Yeah, this that's, that's what it is, yeah. Is this the hill you want to die and on? And I feel like if they do give it to him, they'll take away from Willem Dafoe, who's never won something like this and he's yeah. getting like, the best reviews with his whole career. Sam Rockwell, which is, who has never I been nominated know. for an Oscar. Army Hammer, who is like finally breaking through as like, someone really interesting. And Richard Jenkins, who is always so, great. Can I just go back to that? Have you basically just heard said Army Hammer is finally becoming someone interesting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I go with that. No, because uh, he's always kind of shown promise of it, but he's decided, yeah, I don't want to do films like The Lone Major because people don't like them, apart from Case. Exactly. There we are. See? Yeah. Army Hammer? Uh, Army Hammer? Whereas, where's the director? Let me find it on this list. Where are you? Film, is it the Guardians list you're on, by the way? I yeah, think. it is actually. Oh, okay, I, can, I just I thought I recognised the formatting. Yeah. Oh, right. Let's let's do um, director. Uh, no, let's do uh, by an actress in a dramatic role. Okay, who is it? Uh, Jessica Chastain from Molly's Game. Okay, I've seen Molly's seen Game, um, and I, I think we're out of embargo, so I can I can talk about it. Um, she's really good in it. Oh, of course, she's. The, the the biggest complaint with Molly's Game, which we'll get to next week, it's not long enough. It's not that. It's it's actually that it's because of Jessica Chastain, because of the character she's playing and the fact that it is Jessica Chastain playing her, it draws natural comparisons with Miss Sloan. And it becomes a case of well, why... Well, it's a good job that not a lot of people saw Miss Sloan. <laughs> yeah, evidently not. Yeah. No, yeah. It's all right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Sally Hawkins, Shape of Water. Oh, that oh, one. Man. Yeah, I yeah. would like to see that happen. I really am so, so excited about it. I want this to be the year where, like, everyone that should have got things gets things. Well, I mean, I think there's a, a lot of accused Hollywood sex offenders that have gotten things that I had coming to them. Yeah. I mean, we can say that about this. But, year. but now Christopher Plummer might be getting more things. <laughs> might be getting uh, more awards. Well, remind me when we've done this, by the way. I have a Hollywood sex scandal story I need to, to share with oh, you. Oh, who now? Uh, what's his name? Morgan Spurlock. Oh, yes, I just heard about that as You well. heard about this? You heard about yeah. exactly what he did? Uh... I believe so, yeah. Because it, it's a weird story. But no, finish. You know. we'll, we'll finish this, yeah. yeah. So, um, actress in the drama. So we've got Chastain, got Sally Hawkins, uh, Meryl Streep for best streeping in a street a, performance. A street performance. So, so Meryl yep. Streep's winning the award again, then? Well, here's the thing. The Post, like, no one, obviously, other than a few very select members of the press have seen. The Post is nominated for director, for Meryl Streep, for film. I, I And it's, it's because it's a timely film. It's because it's about... Freedom of the press. Yes. And this is an award ceremony 
by the press. I would have seen the post by now uh, if I really? didn't live where I live. So uh, I mean, yeah. I, because I don't live in anywhere near London, so I, I don't. I'm not there on the nights when they showed those kind of films. Uh, I have a lot of friends who have seen it though, and the, the opinion is positive. The, the general consensus. Well, I'm, I'm, is sure, really I'm sure that it will be good. But uh, I, I will see it when it comes out. I look yeah. forward to it. Boy, it's actually pressure. I mean, there's, there's not been well, no, there's been two. No, there's been no, yeah, yeah. There's been two Spielberg films that I've not enjoyed in the last twenty years. Okay. What were they out of interest? What do you think they are? Uh, the Terminal and Catch Me If You Can, because that's usually my answer. You don't like Catch Me If You Can? No, I don't like Catch What's Me If You Can. What's wrong with you? Uh, I like The Terminal. I have decency and standards. I don't like The Terminal, but um, I don't really... I mean, obviously it's a Spielberg film, but... What's your second one, then? Uh, well, you you didn't guess either. No, oh, no, you guessed them. What are they, then? Uh, um, uh, BFG. Okay. Hated it. Okay, fair enough. Hated it. And uh, War Horse. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, War Horse should have been an HBO miniseries. Hated it. <laughs> He's my horse, sir. Be brave. Yeah. Be, brave. Be brave. Which he only says once. Yeah, but way, in the trailer yeah. he says it about three times, doesn't he? Yeah, it be- it's it, so weird. It became like a like a like a Cineworld anthem when I used to work at Cineworld because oh, that trailer was on all the time. <laughs> so we'd always be like, "Be brave." So who's director? Who's who said was going to be director? I well, I've not finished oh. the actors yet. Oh, um, I thought you okay. Go on. No, you kept interrupting. I'm me. sorry. I'm very rude. It's rude. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Francis McDormand. Which I'd be cool with. I've, she's great. I've heard that there's a distinct chance she could actually win it. Uh, I think she's the like de facto frontrunner. Mm. Well, it's, it was seen before the post came out. Yeah, but it was Francis McDormand versus Sally Hawkins, which is great. Yeah, but I don't know what it is. I don't want. Just come on, Mel Streep's got three Oscars. <laughs> I don't need all else. Um, yeah, let's do let's do actor in a drama. Uh, Timothy uh, Chalamet for Call Me by Your Name. Uh, of course. Daniel Day-Lewis for best Daniel Day-Lewis singer in a Daniel well, Day-Lewis he, film. He's winning that because it's the last time they have the chance to give it him. This is the thing. Uh, Tom Hanks, who has not really been nominated for a lot in the last 15 to 20 years. No, he hasn't, has he? No, last time he was nominated for an Oscar, I think, was Castaway. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say it was the time that Roberto Benigni beat him as best actor yeah. in a film in a language that none of the people voting for the film spoke. Great acceptance, though, wasn't it? When I like mm. walked over everybody's head. God, that movie sucked. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, Tom Hanks for post. Um, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. He's gonna win. <laughs> and uh, Denzel. Denzel yeah. for uh, Romel Roman Ro- Israel. Roman J Israel Esquire. Yeah. Romel, uh, um, uh, actress in musical comedy. Um, Judy Dench, the Dench. Oh, the Denchster. The Denchster. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Helen Mirren. Hmm. Yeah. Judy Dench versus Helen Mirren. Yeah. That's a contest for worth watching. The Pleasure Seeker for a film that hardly No, I don't. I've never even heard of that. No. What? Uh, Margot Robbie for I Tonya. Cool. I'm um, hearing good buzz around that one. Saoirse Ronan for Ladybird. I feel like that could happen. I'm hearing buzz around that one yeah, as well. Um, yep. Yeah. And uh, Emma Stone for Battle of the Sexes, which I still haven't seen but want to see. Oh, uh, it's not an Oscar. It's not an Oscar performance. Although. Well, she won one. Yeah, I mean, having has. having gotten one for La La Land, though, you kind of think, yeah, yeah, yeah. anyone's game now, isn't That's it? it. Uh, best performance by an actor in musical comedy, uh, Steve Carell, Battle of the Sexes. Uh, okay. This is an interesting one. Uh, Ansel Elgort for Baby Driver. Ooh, that's cool. That's yeah. that's, a, that's well an odd choice. It's good. Yeah, that's I'm happy good. with yeah. that. Yeah, because his performance is great. His performance is yeah. Yeah. No uh, Kevin Spacey plaudits in there. I noticed. And uh, no. <laughs> James Franco for a disaster artist. Does he deserve it? Yes, he does. Yes. Okay, you're going to tell because, me more about that in a because minute. Because you but... forget you're watching James Franco. 
Brilliant. Okay. A huge jacked man. Huge jacked man. Yep. Great showman. And Daniel Kaluuya for that comedic <gasps> performance in Get oh, Out. Please let Daniel Kaluuya get it. Oh, why do we so, so good, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's great. Um, yeah, let's just do director. You know, who we got? We got. Right. Director uh, GDT. She, she oh Walter. yeah, yeah. Which Walter. is great, yeah. Uh Martin McDonough for Free Billboards. Ah uh, yes. Well he really good things. Yeah. Christopher Nolan, Dunkirk. Ooh, okay. Uh Riddles. R- Riddle what who? Riddles. Oh Riddle Scott, okay, yep. sorry. And uh Senor Spielbergo. Oh man, that is a tough category this year. Yeah. What's missing? Well, what two things are missing? What two things are missing? Uh, any woman or anyone not white? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, funny that. But namely, Greta Gerwig. And uh, Luda Guadagnino? Uh, Luca? Yes, Luda? but no. Luca? Yeah, everyone thought that he was, I would have he was kind of in. But um, uh, Jordan Peele. Oh, yes. Yeah. And on the bent of um, people of colour. Go on. Um, no big sick. Anywhere? No, there's not. You just said all the comedy films, like oh. that category. That should have been. That should be owned by yeah, that. It should be. Yeah, but not anywhere. Well, at least they didn't put mother in the musical category, musical comedy category. So no, yeah. Well, you that. know, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, she's hilarious. She's she's hilarious in Mother. I mean, she really is. There's one thing I took away from Mother. It's a serious laugh factor. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> nothing says Giggles. hysteria to me quite like a Bible parable. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm listening to uh, Darren Aronofsky talk to Mark Maron. I'm really enjoying it. It's really uh, good. Okay. I, I like Mother. I want to see it again. But it took me about three months to get to the stage where I could admit that I liked it. <laughs> I've only recently decided to like the film, so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, however, though, speaking of liking films, we're going to have to... You're finally going to have to make good on the threat of telling me about The Disaster Artist. It's good. So It's good. I no, enjoyed oh, it. No, 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 no. You're holding to the same rules I usually have. I don't know how one reviews. I just say I like it. What is the plot of The Disaster Artist case? Okay, the plot of The Disaster Artist. Well, first of all, The Disaster Artist is uh, based on a book by uh, Greg Sestero and another guy called uh, Tom Bissell, I think. I who, think so. Who is a co-writer, uh, co- co-author. Uh, Greg Sestero uh, is also in The Room, on which The Disaster Artist is based. So, do you know anything about The Room? I mean, I've seen, I've seen The Room. This is The Room. This the is Legend of The Room. The Legend of The Room. This is not Room with Brie Larson. No, no, God yeah. forbid. Classic. You'd be much happier if it were, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, because <laughs> that, that's a laugh, right? Yeah. <laughs> film. yeah. So is it just the making of the movie? Like, literally, the movie opens and it's, I'm going to make this movie. Is that, is that what it is? Or is it the, the moment where you see him get the inspiration, I want to make this movie? Yeah, you see the inspiration of it, but it, it really just focuses on... The meeting between um, uh, Greg Sestero and Tommy Wiseau, who is the titular disaster artist. Okay, we have a clip. Tommy, hey. Hey. What's this? Uh, This is Amber, who I was telling you about. Oh, girlfriend. Um, I I don't know. Um, Okay, I don't have time for this. I'm very busy right now. I have to change really quickly and go. Okay, is is everything all right? Yeah, everything great on my end. You heard of Konstantin Stanislavski? Of course, yeah, he's like the greatest acting teacher of all time. Yeah, and now he taught me acting teacher. He seemed something special in me, you know, maybe, you know, I'll become a big star. So I have first class this evening. Well, pretty sure Stanislavski's dead. No, he's not dead. I just speak to him for your information. What do you think I speak to, ghost? No. no. Okay, I'll let you know how it is, baby face. Maybe you can join me someday. Maybe I will. You're not so good, so I mean, that that, I, exactly. That clip 
Yeah, surely that just makes you want to watch it. It does, actually. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I now really want to see that based on that clip. When you're watching it, I mean, you, you get like five or ten minutes in and you forget that it's James Franco. Okay. Well, yeah. That's brilliant. You just accept that he that he just is this character. No, Tommy That it is just Tommy. Picture. Yeah, because <laughs> he just gets lost in it. It's incredible. How is he fair as a director, then, Franco? This is the best James Franco direction I've ever seen because it doesn't feel like a James Franco film. <laughs> and I don't want that to sound horrible, but like I think by his own admission, he's he's not gone to make like an arty film. Like he's made But at the same made, time he's not made something as ramshackle looking as the actual room itself was. No, no, they've kind of gone for that. Oh this is a stylistic decision. Okay. Absolutely. Well, because they've tried to like mm. lovingly recreate it and in fact at the end of the film there's loads of like shot by shot recreations, like oh. like like kind of like Sweden versions. So yeah, we, we show them side by side, and oh, they good nail it. It's incredible. I didn't know they did that. It's, it, yeah, it's uh, it's worth seeing just for that. I've heard something about a lot of, uh, a big thing at the beginning with a lot of cameos or something. Yes. Oh, okay. So I won't go into because I don't really no, want to no, spoil no, too spoil much. It, but there's a, there's a big cameo thing going on. About well, there's yeah. there's a lot of cameos, but oh, okay. um, yeah, it it opens in. Um, uh, San Francisco, mm. which is where Greg is based, and it opens with him in it's it's like an acting class, and he's he's just performed a scene in front of all of his um, uh, classmates, and the teacher says, "Just sit down for a minute," and she says, "Has anyone else got anything else to show?" And then the first time we see Tommy is when he is saying, "Yes, I've got something to perform," and Tommy goes onto the stage and performs. Uh, from a, uh, a streetcar named Desire. Oh the bit, no! Yeah, just the bit where it's just like Stella, <laughs> but but he just does that. He just does the one word and just like screams it. All right, all right. I'm and, and it, exactly, and it starts with that, and it kind of like that. That's where their friendship begins. I've absolutely You don't know where Tommy gets his money from. You don't know how old Tommy is. Yeah, because no, that's, that's reality, isn't it? That's that's yeah. the, the case in reality, and they've it carried is. that through to the film. Yeah, and then in this one, they say there are three mysteries, and you don't know where he's from. You don't know how old he is. You don't know where, we got, where he's got his money from. Yeah, it's weird because didn't the room cost them like five or six million to six make? Six million. My God, and you can't really see where a lot of it's gone, apart from the fact that there's, there's a scene in in it where they show. That they go to like go get the uh, camera equipment, yeah. And obviously, with a lot of films and these kind of big productions, you would just go and rent the equipment. They go to the shop, and he's like, "I want to buy the camera." Oh god! And he buys two cameras, so he, he buys a t- he buys like digital and film, and has them both going side by side. So when you when you watch the actual room, mm. there's parts where it's like kind of off center. That's because they're using two cameras, huh. and it goes out of focus because of these two cameras that are strapped together. I somehow didn't remember that. That's it. I yeah. need to rewatch the room quite. But, it, but it's amazing that you see it just happen right in front of you. Because the room was in black and white, wasn't it? No, was it not? No, where you got from? Why am I remembering the room being in black and white? I don't know. You saw an even worse copy of the room. Clearly, I did. I shut my TV. Yeah, because the, the room moment. is is not a well made film. Oh no, it's not at all, no. and it's just. It's taken on this life of its own. Really. I've forgotten it, and I reminded a lot recently because there was an honest trailer for it, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's actually even worse than I remember it being." Yeah, uh, but your enjoyment through it, I always, always say to people, is like based on who you see it with. So if you see it in like a room full of like friends where you can get drunk and just be like, "What is happening?" It's the best experience. It's it amazing, and, and, and this is this is why it's still on at like the Prince Charles in London. I was say it's monthly like, at the Prince monthly, Charles, yeah. yeah, and it sells out all the time. And now Greg and Tommy 
who are still like best friends and still talk every day, <laughs> they travel the world to go to these like screenings and stuff. Is it one of the stories that Toby Wiseau concocted that he sold counterfeit jeans to make his fortune? Uh, he didn't concoct it, but someone said that is what's, what's happened. Oh, okay. So it's a, it's a story, a legend yeah. started elsewhere. Yeah. So that's, that's probably what happened. I've heard the Seth Rogen interview on Nerdist. In fact, I picked you up that day, if you remember. I had the Seth Rogen in- yeah. Nerdist interview on. And he was talking about like the mystery of Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. But uh, he's a very strange yeah. cat, always. So. He is. And I never thought I would be kind of like moved about his character as well. Mm. Because there's bits where you feel really, really... Really bad for him. I was going to say they've they've depicted him in quite a, a, a decent way. That they have rounded that character. He's a very kind of sympathetic character. Okay. Yeah, because obviously he's he's a weird looking man. He's strange. <laughs> but, it's the eyebrow thing. It, yeah, it is. It's, it's strange, isn't it? It's yeah. very odd. But he thinks himself. He wants to be like James Dean. He wants to be like a leading man. Oh, it's the James Dean. Uh, well, he, okay. They they watch they watch um, I think we watch Giant together uh. in the film, and he's like, I want to be like James Dean. But then he'll go to his acting classes and he'll he, he sees a Hollywood producer in the film who's played by Judd Apatow, what? essentially being like like a Kirby enthusiasm style, yeah. really bad version of himself. Who is like you will never you will never make it. You will never be this person that you want to be. I think history might have proven him wrong, actually. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's funny that he became a star for all, all the completely wrong reasons. Yeah, but you see him like embrace what the film has become as well now because he didn't. He, is that in the film? Yeah, like, like you actually see that in the film. The, the legacy, kind of. Okay, yeah, it kind of like alludes to that. They kind of do almost like like a truncated version because it it wasn't like an overnight thing. I think it's no, no, it like after that initial premiere, it took a little bit to like catch on with people. Was it got a big Bowfinger moment? Is it where they're all in the premiere? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> I was listening to a thing that the writer was saying that they love Bowfinger, but we didn't want to do that. Because I've thought yeah. about Bowfinger a lot in relation to this film, but... Uh, yeah, you can definitely see the parallels with it. Yeah. I just, I, I find it really interesting that they were able to, like, trunc- truncate that section of it a little bit, and you see how people kind of figure their way out of it. Okay, i got, I got to give it to you. You have genuinely made me interested in seeing it's, it, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely. I was, my, I was gonna say it's, it's definitely in my top ten of the year. Okay, well, I will, yeah. uh, I will, I will heed your advice on that one. I will make the effort then to see the disaster artist. I think one of the smartest things he's done is got um, Seth Rogen to produce it. Yeah, because he plays the he plays the cameraman in the movie. Doesn't he, he plays a script supervisor, and Paul Shear plays a cameraman. That's it. Yeah, yeah, but because like Point Grey and like Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, they do more yeah. kind of like you know like bigger. Fun, more polished, yeah, more polished, more populist kind of films rather than. You think that voice has helped a lot with the creation of this, then? Definitely, yeah. But I think James Franco. I think that's what he wanted anyway. Is this his uh, his his big his big one? Then do you think this is James Franco's? Maybe, yeah. I'm hoping he make like more more films like this, but I don't know if he can. Maybe it's the start of something new, or it could be the culmination. It was great, anyway. Okay, well, I will t- absolutely take your advice and, and make the effort to see that. I'm, I'm now genuinely excited about that. But uh, So, um, some film news real quick, then, to round us out for the week. Go on, give us some. Okay, so, oh, we've got to talk about the Morgan Spurlock thing, by the way. Um, he's taken the, uh, okay. taken the unusual uh, step of uh, basically outing himself for, uh, <laughs> for, for sexual assault, which is... Very odd. I think it might have something to do with the fact that no one's mentioned his name in a while. But, uh, mm. yeah, he's published a thing where he's listed every bad thing he's ever done. Um, let's see. Kevin Hart's going to be a fugitive in an action comedy for Universal. 
cleverly entitled... But, but not The Fugitive. Not The Fugitive. It's cleverly titled On The Run. So, yeah, they really put some thought into that. Uh, John Cho and Tiffany Haddish have joined uh, The Oath, which is uh, Ike Barinholtz's new film. Cool. Uh, let's see. Hang on. There's more here. Oh, we talked about Disney and uh, and Fox, obviously, and I've lost my page with all the news on. Where are we? Silly internet, what's going on? Okay, so now that's Disney. Okay, um, Alex Garland's Annihilation is going to Netflix in this country. Yes, I know. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, neither does he. He's quite disappointed, it seems, but he's enthusiastic at the same time. Uh, Finn Wolf- <laughs> that's exactly how he looked at when he was at the Oscars. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Finn Wolf Hard is going to be in a horror movie with Mackenzie Davis. It's called The Turning. He's been in a horror movie. He's I mean, been in a few of them, yeah. Joe Johnston, who's set to retire, is going to reshoot a month on the Nutcracker. Because Disney. Because Disney, yes. Yeah, um, apparently but, that's, that's nothing against Lassie Holstrom, but he was already... He's just ske- scheduling, scheduling a shoot. Yeah, yeah, he's already booked elsewhere. Um, did you see the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse trailer? Yes, what did you think? Uh, I'm excited. Apparently Peter Parker is part of it. He is, and he's been middle-aged as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's going to be a middle-aged Peter Parker. That's fun. There is a shot from the film, incidentally, of a Peter Parker that looks alarmingly like Andrew Garfield. Mm. So well, my thing is, why not just do that? Why not just have an animated Tobey Maguire and an animated Andrew Garfield? It's the Spider-Verse. That's the yeah, point. that's the whole thing. Like they said, oh, there's no Tom Holland in it. No, no, get Tom Holland in it. That's the point. Get them all. <laughs> Go and get that guy from the 70s who looked like Ted Danson to do it. Um, Better yet. Get Ted Danson. Or just get Ted Danson, exactly. Um, Be like, oi, Becca. Speaking of Spider Man spin-offs. Speaking of Ted Danson's. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Spider no, Ted Danson has not joined Venom. That would be awesome oh, though. Oh, actually, Ted Danson as J. Jonah Jameson. That's that. not bad. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Woody Harrelson has joined the cast of Venom as dot 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 a henchman. So no. yeah. Really? I know. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Odd. I figure maybe it's maybe it's going to be like uh, who's playing Carnage? I don't know. Maybe it's going to be uh, that's maybe that's it. Maybe that's what's going to happen. I don't know. Um, you know that Shaft reboot that's going straight to Netflix? Yes. Right. So it's going to be Sam Jackson's going to be Uncle John from the. It's going to be John Shaft from the two thousand movie. Isn't this, is it going to be like son of Shaft? It's going to be actually. It's technically it's going to be nephew's son of Shaft because the original Shaft is going to be in this movie. It's been confirmed. Right. So Richard Roundtree will be back as Uncle John, the original Shaft. Oh. Okay. Sam Jackson is now the dad, who is Uncle John's nephew, and his son, uh, is it Raymond T. Usher from Independence Day? Independence Day, Day yeah. good station. Yeah, he's going to be the new young dorky Shaft, who is a cyber... Dorky Shaft. Dorky Shaft. Nice. Uh, he's, who's a cybercrimes expert for the FBI. They've now <laughs> cast Regina Hall to play his mum, slash Sam Jackson's ex-girlfriend. I like Regina so, Hall. I, I do as well. There's a very nice yeah. picture over here, actually. It's quite an interesting one. Cool. Um, let's see what else we got. Oh, uh, Seth Rogen's going to play Walter Cronkite. In Newsflash. Newsflash, that sounds good. Yeah. Apparently they want Brian Cranston and Mark Ruffalo to complete that cast. Oh, yeah. Good, that. Yeah. That isn't good. it? Um, is it David Gone and Green? It is, yes. Um, Tessa Thompson is returning for Creed 2. So Woo. we can all celebrate on that one. And they've got a director whose name I absolutely cannot remember. Uh, <laughs> I just can't. Oh, I can't remember gone. either. It was, it was big news so like two well. days ago. Yeah, yeah but Sylvester Stallone not directed it. He's going to be in it, though. Stephen Capel Jr., director of That's The Land. Right. That's who it is. Uh, Stallone will be in it, of course. And uh, Ivan Drago as well, apparently. 
So yeah. the Obi Wan movie could be shooting as early as 2019, January. Don't ever want it. No, yeah, me neither. No. Uh, let's see. Oh, this one's an interesting one. Louis C.K.'s bought back the rights to "I Love You, Daddy." So is he going to release it on his website like everyone else? Yeah, I'm wondering that. To be honest, yeah. there's 12,000 screener discs in the world for that movie. Yeah, 12,000. So that's for a movie that they wouldn't release. <laughs> um, and that, I believe, is most of the news. <laughs> There's a couple maybe little trickly bits at the end. Hang on, I'm scrolling all the way back here. And now I think we've covered more or less everything. So, yeah. I think that's it. That's it. That's it. We've done it. We did it. We did six rapid-fire reviews, a Star Wars segment, a bingo segment. You reviewed a movie. We've done all right there. I'm tired. I know. Do you want yeah. to do it? Do you want, do you want to cue that? Yeah, um, I've got a box of Maltesers downstairs. On which note, here it is: your moment of cage. <laughs> <laughs> 